0: Josh. And I'm Gabriel. And today on Reading the Gospel, we are studying an event where Jesus is teaching about new relationships in the kingdom of heaven. This is found in Matthew chapter 18, verse 1 through 35, in Mark chapter 9, verses 33 through 50, and in Luke chapter 9, verses 46 through 50. Join with us as we read
1: is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven whoever receives one such child in my name receives me but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea
0: woe to the world for temptations to sin for it is necessary that temptations come
1: He rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little
0: ones should perish. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault, between you and him alone. If he listens, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others with you If two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them.
1: Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times but seventy seven times Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants When he began to settle one was brought to him who owed him 10000 talents and see and since he could not pay his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children, all that he had, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the death. But when that same servant went out,
0: And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? In anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So here we have Jesus teaching about how we, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, should act towards one another, Um, how we should relate to um, our fellow brothers and sisters. A lot of different stories. We don't have time to pick apart and dissect any parable fully. But is there somewhere where you wanted to jump to, some point that you wanted to focus on?
1: I would like to understand this line from verse 7 where Jesus says, For it is necessary that temptations come. Mm-hmm. Are temptations necessary? And if yes, in what way?
0: Yeah, so I, I think this word necessary is, um, is probably being used in, in an English sense that we don't normally use it. That we live in a sinful world and it should be expected that temptation is going to come. You're not going to avoid temptation. It's just a part of life. It's not that temptation is needed for the universe to work. Mm-hmm. It's just this is life.
1: And if temptation is necessary, God can turn temptations into tests. Mm -hmm. The purpose of a temptation is to take us down, to defeat us, right, to destroy us. Mm -hmm. The purpose of a test is to help us realize at what spiritual stage we are, um, how strong spiritually we are. Uh, It is like an exam. And the same situation, the same event is being used by God for a different purpose. In this context, we can say that temptation is necessary to test our spiritual maturity.
0: Yeah. The tree of knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden, would that be a necessary temptation? Because we we say it's a test, that God put it there to test Adam and Eve. Yeah, so that tree
1: itself is necessary because otherwise uh, Adam and Eve and maybe us in the eternity cannot express our free will Right? Mm -hmm. cannot exercise it uh, in a practical way but Satan came there and he transformed a test into a temptation he went the other way around what God is working in our world today is limiting the temptation keeping us away from 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 them but if the temptation comes being unavoidable will transform it into a test yeah. that is
0: necessary for our spiritual maturity. So tests or temptations, it's very important to point out that the, a temptation is not a sin. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're tempted to do something, you've not sinned. Mm-hmm. And that's where it becomes a test. How are we going to respond to this temptation? When I give in, mm-hmm. when I settle
1: on that behavior, that is when sin happens.
0: Yeah, exactly. When we dwell on the temptation, when we, um, e- even if we don't physically commit the act, whatever that may be, we can mentally commit the act and, mm-hmm. and mentally sin. And, uh, you know, Jesus says this, uh, you've heard it say, you shall not murder. But if you hate your brother, mm-hmm. um, you know, that that's something my brother might never know that I I hate him, but but I harbor this hate in my heart. Um mm-hmm. uh, So something else that uh, I like
1: to emphasize before we go to the Mm question. Verse 16, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. This is the best approach to reconciliation Mm -hmm. uh, with your brother. And it's primarily in the context of the kingdom of God, of the church, right, because later,
0: Jesus talks about elders and about the church. It's much better doing that than going and telling another brother.
1: Yeah. So the problem is when uh, the brother sins against you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When the brother doesn't sin against you, are you still required to go and tell him?
0: If if you have an issue, it should be towards you. You talk to that person. You know whether they did something or not. And the problem, you know, the probably the biggest problem in the church is gossip, mm-hmm. um, where people talk about people behind their backs and tear people down. And, and so, yeah, the, we have this roadmap for reconciliation of differences. So only the, um,
1: the wronged person, the abused one, should initiate the process of reconciliation?
0: No. No. Because
1: it says, if the brother
0: sins against you, you go and tell him. You initiate the process. But again, when when Jesus is talking about the the Lord's Supper, you know, Uh we have counsel that if we realize we've wronged a brother, go and make it right, and then come back. Uh I see in this context that Jesus is talking to his
1: disciples who are mature. Yeah, And it is the person who really has this mature understanding and the uh, intention to reconcile mm-hmm. uh, to,
0: to make the first step. All right, so how, what does this, this passage, this teaching tell us about God? This God
1: who is loving and patient with us and long-suffering and forgiving, this God is trying to teach us how to reflect his character, mm-hmm. how to forgive others. And I want to tell you that forgiving is hard. I had a couple of uh, uh, presentations or sermons or speeches when I started with the question, is it hard to forgive? And I see in people's eyes, looking down, breathing deeply and sighing and say, yes, it's very hard. Mm -hmm. It is hard to forgive because this is against the principles on which we built our own world. And most likely is justice or getting even with others.
0: And for me, the question, how is this speaking to you today, what are you going to do about it, It comes back to that forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Um, Forgiveness is a process. Oftentimes we have to start by forgiving ourselves. Um, Sometimes we have to ask forgiveness from God. Um, Sometimes when we're a victim, it takes a while before we can go to the perpetrator and ask for forgiveness. But it's this process. And and until we allow that process to start happening, we are a slave to the negative offense, effects of holding on, mm-hmm. of not forgiving. And, and that really does tear you down. Exactly. Uh,
1: and I like this parable that really spoke to me today. The parable of the... Forgived, but unforgiving servant. So um, this servant is in the middle. Mm -hmm. He received in order to give. Um, He was called by God to be a link in this chain of universal grace of God. He received in order to give, but he did not practice that. I'm afraid that one day I might discover myself that I receive a gift from God not for me, but to pass it on to others and I keep it for myself. If I do that, I become unforgiving. I become dull. Uh, Other people's pain and suffering, I'm not sensitive to that. Mm -hmm. So this is how this passage spoke to me today, that I really have to receive from God in such a way that I can pass it on to someone else. I should behave like a forgiven servant who has a forgiving attitude.
0: Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you help us to examine our lives, examine the situations in our hearts and show us areas where we have been unwilling to forgive, Mm -hmm. where we need to step forward and offer forgiveness to people who have wronged us. Father, I pray that we won't fall into temptation and continue down that path until we ultimately sin. Amen. But we will, when temptation comes, cling to you, see it as a test, and, and put our strength in Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, that we will be model citizens of the kingdom of heaven, not because of who we are, but because Jesus Christ lives in us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.